chapter 2 is where we will begin this evening. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to gather this evening as your church, as those who are redeemed, to lift up together the greatness of our God, to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into light. We pray this evening that you would be lifted up in this time, that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged, that you would reprove us, that you would correct us, that you would instruct us. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. On Sunday evenings, we've, been, we've returned to our theme for the year, the church. So we've been working our way through a series on the church. What is the church? We started a few weeks ago with the foundation of the church in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. We saw the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. And then, alongside that, working out from that, there's the apostles and the prophets who laid the foundation. And then there's us, who are the building, the bricks, the church. We saw last week then, well, what is the church? It is a gathering of those who are redeemed. The church is for the redeemed. It's not for perfect people but it's for those who are in Christ. And that's what we saw last week, uh, also from Ephesians chapter 2. This week, we're going to look at the purpose of the church. As I was studying this week, really, this whole, the purpose of the church could be a series in and of itself. Uh, I've I've tried to to narrow it down, and we're going to be flipping uh, between a couple passages of Scripture, so I encourage you to go ahead and wet your fingers and have them ready to go. Uh, as we'll be flipping through. We're going to start here in Acts chapter 2. But why, why is it important, as we start out looking at the purpose of the church, why is it important to know what the purpose of the church is? Why is it important to, to take some time to, to narrow down what is our purpose as a church, as the church? I think it's the same reason that anyone has a purpose statement. You have to know what you are seeking to accomplish. You can't accomplish something if you don't know what you're doing. We need to know what it is that we are doing. Why is it that we gather? Why is it that we are here? What are we seeking to accomplish? What is our purpose? I've narrowed it down to three simple points. As I said, this could be broadened much broader. But this evening what we're going to see is three purposes of the church. Purpose one, to gather. Purpose two, to grow. Purpose three, to go. The first thing that we'll see here in Acts 2 is to gather. I'll read Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. We'll really focus in on verse 42, though. It says this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So, continuing daily, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily 
those who were being saved. This passage, specifically verse 42, many people call the purpose statement of the church. It describes the practice, the very early practice, of the very first church. As it's been established here in Jerusalem, a Pentecost. This first church, what did they do? That's what it tells us here in verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They sat under, under their teaching of the word. Their teaching of uh, the apostles' teaching. They fellowshiped in the breaking of bread. It's, it's kind of tied in, the idea of, of communion as a community. They are fellowshipping. They are breaking bread together and in prayers, in worship. They sat under teaching, they fellowshiped, and they worshiped. I think here, though, we see the first purpose of the church to gather. You see, all of these things that they did, this teaching, this fellowship, this worship, could not happen if they did not gather. In fact, it goes on to say, verse 44, now all who believed were together. Verse 46, they continued daily in one accord in the temple. If the church is to matter in the world, if, they're gonna, if we are going to have any effect on the world, the church must gather. The church must gather. Turn with me over to Hebrews 10, if you will. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which we consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider one another to, in order to stir up to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Here in this passage, the author of Hebrews is once again explaining the importance of gathering, of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The church must gather. He gives reasons here. Because you have boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus, because of what God has done for you, because of the access that you have. Therefore, verse 23, hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. How, 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 what is part of holding on to that? Is letting us consider one another in order to stir up to love and good works. Stirring one another up to love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. You can't do those things if you're not gathering together. That's his whole point here. The importance of the church gathering. The church needs to gather. The church must gather. 
Now I want to pause here and, and, and talk practically a little bit as well. Earlier this year when COVID-19 first came and everything was up in the air and we, we weren't sure what was going on, we weren't sure how, how serious this was, how easily it spread, we weren't sure what it, what it looked like. The governor, the government was not sure. And they put, put restrictions on gatherings. And we, being not sure, went along with that. And for a few weeks, several weeks, it felt a lot longer than it was. We would meet online. We didn't meet in purpose. And I would call that we didn't gather. I don't think that we went contrary to Hebrews 10. Because I think the purpose of Hebrews 10 is someone who is, who is purposefully avoiding gathering. Someone who doesn't see the importance of the church. Someone who is avoiding it. Our purpose was not to avoid gathering. That was not our purpose. That's not why we were not gathering. We were not gathering for safety. We weren't sure what we were dealing with. But that's also why, as soon as we were able to, we started meeting again. That's also why I was very particular, and, and while we met that way, if you can call it meeting, there were very particular things that I did and did not do. You probably noticed that there was no music. It was literally just the word. We would open the word, I would preach, and that was it. And that was purposeful. Because I wasn't trying to replace the church gathered. I wasn't trying to replace what we do here. In fact, I wanted it to feel like something was missing. Because something was missing. Because we were not gathering together. And if anything, I think that a whole episode that we went through showed us all the more the importance of the church gathering. One of the purposes of the church is that the church must gather. But even in this here, in Hebrews, we see reasons why. Why must the church gather? Verse 23, to hold fast to our confession. Verse 24, to love one another and to stir one another up to love and to good works. And that is, goes on to our second point. One of the purposes of the church, purpose one, is to gather. And that's really the most basic because if the church is not gathering, then the church can't accomplish anything else. The church must gather. Secondly, the second purpose of the church is to grow. Now don't hear me wrong when I say that. When I say grow, I think a lot of us often, often mean the church must get bigger. And it will. That's an out, that, that, that is one of the outcomes, but that's not what I mean. When I say the church must grow, I'm talking more of sanctification here than multiplication. The church must grow in, in depth before it can grow in width. How does this growth happen? Turn with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. 
Really, I'm going to read the first 16 verses of Ephesians 4. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace has been given, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also must also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. I just want to pause right there. We saw that this morning in our passage in John 8, did we not? Jesus said, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going to. That's exactly what we see here in verses 9 and 10 of Ephesians. Back to verse 11. And he himself gave some to be, past, to, to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Growth of the body. The body, the church, must grow. How? Well, what does it say here? Verse 11. Look what he gave. He gave some apostles and some prophets. We already saw in Ephesians 2 how, how they were instrumental in laying the foundation of the church. But it goes on, some evangelists and some pastors and, such, some, and some teachers. For what purpose? Why were they given? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Part of the purpose of the church is to equip you to do the ministry. That's what it says right here. He gave these things for the equipping of the saints. It's part of my responsibility as a pastor to equip you for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And in order for me to do that, we must gather. And that's growth. That's growth. As I equip you through the word of God, really it's the word of God that's equipping you. But as you are equipped, you are growing in Christ. You are being sanctified. That's what we see in verse 14. 
That this is what we see, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men, the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, the speaking the truth in love. What? That we shouldn't be children. We should be growing up in all things into him who is the head. Christ, growing in Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. All these different pieces working together, growing together according to the effect of working by which every part does its share. As we are all equipped, as we all work, as we all minister to one another, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We must grow. And as we grow, as we are equipped and as we, we grow, we edify one another. That's what we see here in Ephesians 4. The church must grow. It's also what we see in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, a well-known passage. All scripture is given by God. It's breathed out by God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be thoroughly, perfect, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped. We grow through the ministry of the Word. That's one of the primary reasons why we gather. We gather around the Word of God. That's what they did in, in Acts 2. They gathered around the teaching of the apostles. That was one of the primary reasons why they gathered. We gather to grow through the ministry of the Word, but it doesn't stop there with the ministry of the Word. It's also through the ministry of fellowship. Through brotherly love. Through serving one another. For, through lifting one another up. Verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. To what end? We may grow up in all things into Christ. Into him who is the head Christ. Speaking the truth in love does me no good if I'm not speaking to someone. There's a relationship there. That's what's going on in the church as it gathers. We are speaking the truth in love to one another. We are gathering, we're equipped through the word of God, through the ministry of the word. We're equipped as we fellowship with one another as iron sharpens iron. We're equipped as we, as we pray together, as we worship together. We're equipped as we disciple each other. We're equipped as we serve together. These are all things that God has given us to aid in the growth of the body. And how does the body grow? The body grows as the individual members grow. The purposes of the church. Purpose one, to gather. Purpose two, to grow. For sanctification, to grow in Christ. But then purpose three, to go. I invite you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. It's a passage we touched on last week when we were looking at 
the makeup of the church, those who are in the church. Specifically, verses 9 and 10. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim. Notice the purpose here. Why has God done this? Why has God brought us together? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There we see that same idea we saw this morning. Christ said, I am the light of the world. He who walks in me, walks, who follows me, walks not in darkness, but has the light of life. Those who have the light of life must proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What's interesting, though, is that, that that's not just talking about evangelism. That's also talking about sanctification. Because part of proclaiming the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light is not just going out and, and speaking to those who are in darkness. It's praising that God together with those who are in light as well. But it doesn't stop in here. It goes out of here. It goes to the world. We are a people. We are given a purpose to proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's one of the purposes of the church. We must proclaim the glory of God. And we must proclaim it not just to ourselves. We must proclaim it to the world. There's several other passages I could go to, and if I had time, I would go to. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. The Great Commission, go and make disciples. We spent a whole year talking about that, talking about disciples. Who they are, what that looks like, how do we do that? That's a commission given to us who are in the church to go and to make disciples. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 21, one of my favorite passages of scripture. Where Paul talks about the fact that we are ambassadors of Christ. And as ambassadors, we have a ministry of reconciliation. To go to the world and to tell them that you have been reconciled to, you can be reconciled to God in Christ if you will just believe. We've been called to take that message, the good news of the gospel, to the world. We are ambassadors of Christ. So when you put it all together, if you boil it down, what is the purpose of the church? Looking at these several passages, these few points, it would be this. The purpose of the church is to gather together to proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his glorious, into light, to the end that Christ is magnified both in the church and in the world. The purpose of the church is to glorify God in the church and in the world. Really, you could narrow it down even simpler. The purpose of the church is to make disciples. I think so often we hear that phrase, we think out there. But disciple making starts in here. Disciple making is not the same as evangelism. It's part of it, but it's not the same thing. 
We must be making disciples in here so that we can make disciples out there. Really, if it boils down to just, if I were to boil down the purpose of the church to two words, it would be make disciples. Make disciples of each other. Make disciples of the world. And that's our purpose. That's what we must do. That's why we gather. That's why we sing. That's why we give. That's why we read the word of God. Because that's what we are here to do. We are here to praise our great God. To testify to each other and to the world who he is and what he's done. And so we must make disciples. We must sing his praises. By way of application then, I would ask, when you look at the purpose of the church, then there is a responsibility to all of us who are in the church. We each have a responsibility. We saw that in Ephesians 4. All the members are working together. All the members are speaking to each other. In love. Caring for each other. Working together. Growing together. So the question then, two questions. First, what are you doing to make disciples in the church? To come alongside a younger believer and say, hey, let's meet. Let's grow together. Let's, let's just meet once a week and pray. Let's just start with that. Let's just start by praying. What can I pray for you for? We must be working together like that. I mean, just think. Think of the impact in our church if each one of you on this side was discipling someone on that side and each one of them was discipling someone else, somewhere else. If we were all discipling together, if we were working together to grow to be like Christ. Church is not just about coming and sitting under preaching. That's a big part of it. But that's not where it ends. We must go and we must make disciples. In fact, is that not even implied in that Ephesians 4 passage that talks about being equipped? Being equipped is not an end in and of itself. If I'm equipped for something, that implies that I'm going to do something. I don't just come, get equipped, and that's it. I'm equipped to go and to do something. What am I equipped to do? I'm equipped to do the work of the ministry. I'm equipped to make disciples in the church and outside of the church. And if we were effectively making disciples in the church, then we would be a shining light. And you know when you talk about church growth, you want to know how the church grows? The church grows when it's making disciples. The church grows when each and every one of you catch the vision, the purpose of the church. And as you disciple each other, and we as a church are growing in Christ together, 
and at the same time we are going out to the world and we are testifying of our great God out there and then our neighbors hear and our neighbors see what is going on and they hear the gospel and they are saved and then they make disciples and then they make disciples and then they make disciples and as each one of them joins our church someone comes alongside and starts discipling them and as they grow, they start to disciple their children. And then their family is converted. The church doesn't grow because we have some great evangelism outreach. That might work here and there. God might work through that. The church grows as the members of the church catch the vision of the church, the purpose of the church. The church grows when we are all making disciples. Let's do that. Let's love one another enough to speak the truth in love to one another. To equip one another for the working of the ministry. I will do my best to preach the truth of the word of God. To stand firmly on this rock. To proclaim the truths of this book do my best through the word of God to equip you. But it doesn't stop there. You can't just stop with being equipped. You must take what you've been equipped to do and go do it. And it must keep going on. So let's do it. Let's make disciples. Let's reach each other and then let's reach Altoona, Iowa with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that is our purpose. That's what we are called to do. To magnify our great Savior. We're going to close with the song, Lord, Send Me Anywhere.